Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. A lot of people talk about retiring, but few have an actual written, thought-out strategy for turning their retirement dreams into reality. Well, lucky for us, we have personal finance expert Susie Orman with us today to offer some tough love guidance and advice. It's always good to say hi to Susie. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Anytime, Alexis. It's a good issue to talk about, don't you think? Retirement, which is hopefully everybody's goal one day. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of already thinking about it. Not that I don't love what I do, but I am thinking about the day when I can smell the roses a little more. Um, now, you, this is a big um, piece that's out in the August-September issue of AARP magazine. And you say that, that you have seven steps to, uh, to retiring uh, successfully. And you say, I love it, 70 is the new 65, especially where Social Security is concerned. What do you mean? Yeah. You know, what's so funny is that all these pundits come out and they tell you, take Social Security at 62, take it at 66, take it at 67, take it at 70. It's not about when should you take Social Security. I want everybody to think about it differently. The goal here is you all have to understand you very well may live more years in retirement than you ever did working now that the average age of death can be well into the mid-90s. My own mother died at 97. Oh, God bless. So she, yeah, she went a long time without a paycheck. So the reason that I'm saying don't take Social Security until you are 70 mm -hmm. is because I want you to work longer. I want you to not touch your retirement accounts for longer. I want your Social Security checks to actually grow. Because between the ages of 66 and 70, your benefit will grow by 8% a year. That's a lot so when you add that up. the longer you work, it's a lot. So the longer you work, the less you touch your retirement. Oh, Very wait, hang on, Susie, one minute. We're having, um, yeah, no you're problem. breaking up a little. Yeah. I apologize. You were on a roll, but hang on. Yeah. Okay. I okay. think it sounds okay with us. Go ahead. Okay, maybe we'll pick up, uh, we, we can edit that out and then pick up now. I can but, pick up. I know, I know uh, where to pick up. Yeah. Go for it. So, so, the, so the longer you work and you're bringing in income, the less you have to touch your retirement accounts as well as your Social Security, and then the longer they will last you. Because, Alexis, what's so sad is that people think when they get older, they're not going to want to do anything. They're just going to want to live <laughs> a life that's, like, not going out. Listen, I'm talking to you, and I'm right now 67 years of age, <laughs> and I'm, like, as active as I have ever been in every aspect of my life. And therefore, you want money when you're older even more than when you were younger. So don't take Social Security before you have to, people. Right. Just don't do it. So you can enjoy your life more because now you have all that wisdom of having lived 67 years. You want to do something with that, right? Well, you want to do something, but you then really do want to travel or you want to just, you know, explore or you want to know that if you do get sick, if you do need medications, mm -hmm. if you do need things, you have the money to do so. Because, listen, let's get real, everybody. Who knows what's going to happen with health insurance? Right. Who knows if you're on Obamacare, if it's going to even be here anymore? Everybody's been trying to repeal it forever. Pre-existing conditions are trying to be taken away from you. You've got to be smart. 
You've got to be smart and take care of yourselves. And the only way to take care of yourselves is to make sure that financially you have the money to do so. And you say you brought up a good point. We're not just talking Social Security here. If you have a 401k or an IRA, you say if you have to withdraw, keep those withdrawals at a minimum. At a minimum, and be smart about them. You know, one of the articles in the AARP magazine that I just wrote was really about, you know, invest smartly for your future in retirement plans. And that's with a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA. Because we don't know what tax brackets are going to be in the future. We have no idea, really. Sure, they're low right now. But to deal with this deficit, I will bet any of you any amount of money that in the future tax brackets are going to have to go up. There is no other way to deal with it. So take the unknown out of your future and invest in the known, which is a Roth Mm. IRA or a Roth 401k, where when you do make withdrawals, it's totally tax-free. You don't have to worry about it. So what you see is what you get. And for those of you out there, who are lucky enough that maybe you don't need to take money out of your retirement accounts. Don't you want to be able to leave that money to your beneficiaries, your children, tax-free as well? Because even if you're in a lower income tax bracket, if your kids now are working and everything and they're making a lot of money, hopefully, and you pass away and now leave it to them and they withdraw it, if it's not a Roth account, they're going to pay income taxes at their own tax bracket. You know, that is so an be excellent smart. That's an excellent point. Just to remind folks, so in a Roth IRA, when you put in your contribution, it's taxed up front. Then, like you say, when you take the money out, you don't have to pay any taxes. And, you know, for me, for years, I thought, well, why would I want to do that? I mean, when I when I want when I'm in retirement, my tax bracket will probably be lower because my income will probably be lower than when I was working. So why wouldn't I want to delay paying those taxes? But you bring up an excellent point. A, it can go to a family member who would be in a higher tax bracket probably. And also our tax brackets will most likely change by the time we're there in our lives. And there's another reason, Alexis, mm-hmm. and it's this. Your highest monthly payment is most likely your mortgage. And so many people refinance their mortgage to take advantage of the lower interest rates that were out there a few years ago, but they refinanced in a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, which means for many of them, if they were 50, when they refinance, they're still going to be paying that mortgage when they are 80 years of age. Now, what most people don't understand is that The banks realize that you're probably not going to keep your house more than seven years, so they charge you all the interest up front Mm -hmm. as if you had kept the mortgage the entire time. So in the later years of a mortgage, you don't get a tax write-off anymore. On a $200,000 mortgage, after 20 years of paying it, you're still going to owe $100,000. So once you be better off taking out a hundred thousand dollars from a Roth IRA and getting rid of your mortgage payment, then having to pay fourteen thousand or fifteen thousand dollars a year after taxes in payments to pay off that mortgage. You would need six hundred thousand dollars in a traditional four hundred one k or IRA to generate the income after taxes just to pay that. Aren't you better off taking out a hundred thousand from a Roth mm-hmm. and just paying it off and not have that expense? So we got to be smart, everybody, and you've got to be where you're thinking in new ways. 
new ways, not the old rules, but new rules of engagement, new rules of doing things because we live in new times. We certainly do. And speaking of mortgages, that brings me to our second point that you make in that AARP uh, article, which is downsize now. You say live below, b- below your means, but within your needs. Yeah. And the reason that I'm saying that is that many of you probably have a home that you purchased a while ago when your kids were living with you and all of these things. And now you're getting older. And the truth of the matter is, do you really need four or five bedrooms? Do you really need that large electricity bill, that large water bill, whatever it may be? Be smart with how you spend your money. Don't have something just because you've had it. Get rid of it. Decrease your expenses. It's not about making more money. Mm -hmm. It's about decreasing your expenses so that you can make more out of the money that you already have. Stop buying new cars every three years. I keep my cars for 10, 12, 15 years. I can afford a new car every year, but why waste your money like that? I'm with you. If you need a new car, yeah, if you need a new car, don't buy a brand new car. Buy a car that's new for you, but that's used so that you already have the 20 or 30% depreciation when they drove it off the lot so you don't have to pay for that. Mm -hmm. So there's so many ways for you to decrease your expenses to make more out of your Social Security, to make more out of your withdrawals from your retirement account, to make more out of whatever income that you have so that you can live a life that's secure. You know, Alexis, you have to ask yourself the question, what's the goal of money? Mm -hmm. What is the goal of money? And the goal of money is for you to be secure so you can sleep at night, so that you don't have to be afraid. And when you have all these expenses of all this stuff around you, you live a life of fear, financial Mm -hmm. fear, because you might not have enough money if something goes wrong. Yeah, financial security definitely uh, equals freedom. Um, Give us some other ways. I mean, the car is great. You know, do you really need your car? Do you really need a new car as often as as you've been buying one? What are some other ways that we can reduce our spending before we enter retirement officially? Yeah, I would really, and I still do this to this day, And I always ask myself the question before I spend money, is this a want or is this a need? And if I simply just limit myself to the things that I need versus what I want, it's amazing how little amounts of money that I spend. Now, just because you have money doesn't mean that you need to spend it. You need to really be smart with every penny, whether you're a multi, 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 multi gazillionaire or not, because Mm -hmm. you need to be respectful of it. And it's a little game that I play. So a need is food at a grocery store. A want is food at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. A need is medicine, not, you know, something else. A need is when you get in your car and you drive to work, not when you put gas in your car to go skiing and things like that. Mm -hmm. So again, you can live any kind of life that you want. But the goal is this, to get as much pleasure out of saving as you do spending. Wow, that's that's a great one, right? Because we, when we spend, we feel, you know, good. We're, oh, look, we're buying something for ourselves or we're treating ourselves. But if we can find a way to harness that enjoyment when we spend, that would really put us over the top. Right. And so 
So it's just a way to live. And I love that because here's the question all of you have to ask yourselves. When do you buy what you can afford versus what you need when you can afford more than what you need? You know, Susan, I remember years. Yeah. Go I'm on. sorry, but how important is it? Because I'm thinking in, th- in this scenario, this would mean I would need a list. You'd have to write your list of needs and wants. How important is it to have a written retirement financial plan as opposed to sort of having one in your head? I, you're going to be surprised at this answer, but I don't like writing down goals and I don't like doing anything in writing. I'm very surprised, because, Susie. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, and that's because when you start looking at a list of everything that you need, everything, the money it's going to take and blah, 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 you become so overwhelmed, you tend to lose hope. And when you lose hope, that's when you feel empty inside. And when you feel empty inside, that's when you go out and you spend. You spend more than when you feel less than. Mm-hmm. So the goal is for you, just like with eating food, is to be able to look at something and decide, do I want it? Do I need it? Should I eat? What should I do with it? At the moment, you're doing it. Live in the moment. And if you live in the moment and you make wise decisions for the moment, Mm -hmm. the hours of your future will take care of themselves. But if you all sit down and you make these plans and you have to save $10,000 a month in order to be able to retire or whatever it may be at this point in your life, you're absolutely going to give up and just go out and spend whatever you want. How you often should we be looking at our d- durable power of attorney and our revocable living trust? Yeah, you know, the, the truth is, and, you know, it's no secret. I always say this to everybody. I look at mine all the time because my family really makes me aggravated. So <laughs> I'm constantly looking at it and changing it. Uh-huh. However, with that said... Things change in your life, and you don't even realize that they've changed. You go from being married, you know, single to being married, married with no kids, to one kid, to two kids, to three kids, to being divorced, to being, you know, a grandmother, to be. Things change all the time, but yet you don't go back and you change your documents. So for these documents to be valid and to really serve their purpose, you need to make sure that if you bought a new house, you changed a house, you have other assets, that they're all part of these documents. So it wouldn't kill you once a year to look at them and make sure that everything is updated. Also, what everybody, Alexis, really needs to understand is that if you own a home in joint tenancy with right of survivorship, mm-hmm. and now you own it with your new spouse. Let's say you were married, you're divorced, and now you got married again, but you want your kids from your first relationship to get that house, but you own that house in joint tenancy with right of survivorship with your new spouse. Right. But in your trust and or your will, you designate that your kids are the beneficiaries if you die of that house. Sorry, you've just disinherited your kids. Because the way that you hold title overrides the wishes of a will or a trust. So your spouse now has everything in his or her name, Mm -hmm. and his trust or her trust says it goes to his or her kids. That's where it will go. 
also the beneficiaries on your life insurance policies or your retirement accounts. You have to be very careful about those because if it's if the beneficiaries are designated to somebody different than your trust or will says, mm-hmm. it's going to go to those people. The other thing that's really important, and I just want to say this, that if you do have a living revocable trust, which every mm-hmm. single one of you needs. If you don't, you are just the stupidest thing I could ever imagine. <laughs> Put and it right I don't out even there. Have a, I don't even have a different way of saying it. You're just an idiot, mm-hmm. really. And they can be as insulted as they want. But you know, Alexis, at my age now, mm-hmm. I'm experiencing a lot of people whose spouses are dying, believe it or not, mm-hmm. and or their parents are dying. And what they are going through simply because all they had was a will mm-hmm. is just horrific. And they all thought, well, I thought that was all I needed. And I go, have you not been listening to me for 35 <laughs> years? But all right, I'll come off of that high horse for a second there. If you're out there and you are smart and you have a revocable living trust and you, ha- and you are married, never make the primary beneficiary of a retirement account the trust. You always need to make your spouse the primary beneficiary and the, and the trust the contingent beneficiary. If you are not married, then the trust is always the primary beneficiary. And that is because if you are married, your spouse has legal rights to take over your retirement account as if it was his or hers. Mm-hmm. A trust does not have that right. So never leave a trust as the primary beneficiary of a retirement account if you are married. Oh. Well, well, uh, you know what? This takes me to, uh, to this topic, which is long-term care. I mean, for so many people, yeah. it's as we get older, and ironically, of course, when we need these health services even more that we find we don't have them because our health insurance was brought to us via our jobs, which now we don't have anymore. You say get something called long-term care insurance. Tell us about that. Long-term, what most people don't know is health insurance will not cover a long-term care stay. And what's so sad is that one out of two or one out of three people will enter a nursing home sometime after the age of 65. Hmm. Average age of entry into a nursing home is about 84 years of age, and average length of stay is seven to eight years. Wow. Now, the cost of a nursing home can be anywhere from 5000 10000 a month to twenty or 30000 a month, depending what state you happen mm-hmm. to live in. Mm-hmm. And people do not have that kind of money. So if you can afford long-term care insurance, and you can afford it not only the year that you bought it, which may be in your 60s, but every single year until you are 84 or 90, you might want to look into a long-term care insurance policy. Mm -hmm. If you cannot afford it or think you won't be able to always afford it, then just don't waste your money and don't buy it. A lot of people are complaining because the premiums of long-term care insurance policies have absolutely increased over the years, and that is because the policies price them incorrectly. The insurance companies price them too low years and years ago. But even if you doubled or tripled the premiums, it will still, in a good policy, be less expensive than paying for those, pre- those costs yourself. 
you just have to know that you have a good long-term care policy mm-hmm. with a good insurance company and that not only can you afford the premiums today and all the way till you're 84, mm-hmm. but that even if they double them or triple them, that you can afford them as well. Yeah, and as you say, they very well might be doubled or, or tripled the rate we're going. I, I want to talk Thank about... You about, um, you know, this, the Time's Up movement uh, getting garnering lots of attention. But you say, you know what, the Time's Up movement is not just about sexual harassment and men and women. It's also about yeah. money and women. And, and you say that personal finance advice is actually different for a woman than it is for a man. I want to delve into that for a little bit. What, what are the main differences, Susie? Yeah, you know, the truth is, is that for two years, many of you may know that I... I, I, you know, I went into my retirement mode. Mm-hmm. I went and I lived on a private island, which I'm, you know, talking to you from now. Yes, we're very and jealous about I, this, too, might I add. <laughs> but I'm happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. Right. And, you know, I was very happy fishing and doing all these things. And then the Me Too movement and Time's Up movement started. And I'm watching this. And my thoughts start to go like this. Why do women very powerful women, allow themselves to be violated in any possible way. And I realize that many of these women, not necessarily all of them, but many of them allowed this violation to happen because they needed money. They needed the job. They needed the promotion. They needed the part. And what did they need the money for? Chances are to support their children, to support their family. And if they didn't need that money, there was no way that they would let people like Weinstein you know, Weinstein, and all these other people. I mean, he is not the most attractive man out there. Let's just really think <laughs> about this for a second, okay? And why would they let them do that? And it's because they needed the money. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, that's when I realized, oh, my God, that – All the years that I've been doing this, and I have been saying self-worth equals net worth, but I still did not see women take their power when it came to money. Sure, they could earn it. They could make it, but they would give it away. They wouldn't invest it. They wouldn't stand in their own power. Why was that? Mm -hmm. And then I got it. When you don't have a voice, you don't have self-worth. And when you don't have self-worth, you cannot have net worth. And the voice that women did not have until the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movement was the voice of telling everybody it happened to me. It has happened to, I'm sure, all of us. Mm -hmm. The voice of this is what happened to me. Can you believe this person did this to me? Mm -hmm. So that's when I then decided, all right, women are starting to get their voice. Now, Susie Orman needs to reappear again with women and money, because now that women have a voice, they need to have a vision and the ability to see what's possible for them and own the power to control their own destiny and to become the strong and secure and smart women that they were born to be. And the difference between women and men when it comes to money And it's not about investing. Mm -hmm. It's not about making money. It's about what women do with their money versus what men do with their money. It's very different, Women, uh Mm uh-huh. Women have the ability to give birth. 
Women have the ability in most cases to feed that which they've given birth to. So a woman's nature is to nurture. A woman will will, you know, say one thing and yet do another. A woman will feel something yet say another. A woman says yes out of fear of what others will think about her versus no out of love for herself. A Mm. man absolutely will say no. And he has it so right, it's not even funny. (laughs) When you're on an airplane, the reason that they say when an oxygen mask falls down, put it on your face first, they're not talking to the men on that plane. Because mm-hmm. the men will put it on their face first, which they should do. Mm-hmm. A woman, if she's sitting with a kid, will put it on the kid's face first. And if something then happens to mama, what does the kid do? Right. The same is true with money. If something happens to you, mama, what does your kid do? It's, it's scary stuff, and it's really powerful what, what you just said. So, so Susie, as a woman and now speaking to, to thousands of women out there listening to this podcast, what are some key points of advice you can give them about being financially secure in their lives? It's, you know, and I'm not just saying this um, to push it, but, but on some level I am. I wrote a book way back when in 2007 called Women and Money. And that book's about to come out again on September 11th. Hmm. And it's, um, it's updated and it's revised. And I really suggest to all of you that you read that book. Now, please notice I did not say you buy that book. <laughs> you should read that book. If you have credit card debt out there, don't go buying any of my books. Do you hear me, ladies? Get in the car or walk to the library and take it out or ask somebody who may already have it and borrow it from them. Mm -hmm. But that book is like a gold mine that will teach you how to not put yourself on sale, that will talk to you about the equalities of a wealthy woman, that will teach you how to say your name and own who you are. And all of these things, and I am going to just pitch this, Alexis, Mm -hmm. for those of you in the New York area on September 15th, I'm doing a one-woman show at the Apollo Theater in Harlem called Women and Money. Tickets are $45 at $350 for Ticketmaster, but that also includes the price of my new hardback book, the Women and Money book. So we, I, we just went on sale. I think there are about 300 seats left. That's about it. It will be taped by the Oprah Winfrey Network. So if you can't make it there, look for it on the OWN Network so you can see it. Because it really is, of a, it's, it's going to be a night that transforms you from inside out. You know, earlier in our conversation, you said that you, have, you hold many individual stocks. I think you said something like 100. You are 67 years old, which you shared with us. I'm curious, at what age should people, if they have uh, investments in the stock market, start to move their money out of aggressive investing, like like equities and like stocks, and move them to more conservative investments, perhaps like bonds? Yeah. For me, the way that I've structured my own portfolio is that almost 
95% of my portfolio is in municipal bonds. Mm -hmm. So if I were to lose all the money that I have in the stock market, it would not affect my retirement income from those bonds on any level. That makes me feel secure. What's important, if you are in equities, and those equities really are needed to generate the income for you to live, I don't have a problem with you staying in those equities if those equities are dividend-paying stocks. Mm -hmm. Because you might be generating more income from a 5 or 6% dividend stock than a bond that's only paying you 2% or 3%. Mm -hmm. So you have more latitude, Alexis, with letting those stocks go up and down and you not really having to care as long as you're getting the income that you need from those stocks. You need to be very careful, however, because <clears throat> many people are making the mistake now by coming out of equities and going into bond funds. Mm -hmm. And they're going into bond funds at the exact time when interest rates are starting to increase. And when interest rates increase, the prices of bonds that are held in the bond funds decrease, which means that your, your funds decrease and there is no maturity date on a bond fund. So you are far better off going into individual bonds and doing a laddering technique where if, let's say, you had $100,000 to invest, maybe you put $20,000 in a one-year, $20,000 in a two-year, $20,000 in a three-year, four-year, five-year bond so that every year when that bond matures, you have $20,000 that has come due that you can now buy another five-year bond at a higher interest rates as interest rates are going up so that your income increases while interest rates are going up versus either stays the same or your or your money decreases because bond funds are going down. Yeah, and you know, I'm so glad you brought up municipal bonds. I am a huge fan. What is there not to like about the muni bond? I mean, they're income generating in many cases triple tax haven. I love it. I'm glad you put that out there. And that then people should really, really consider that if they can swing it, right? Yeah. You know, I, back in 2006, 2007, I, you know, on the Susie Orman show, I kept telling people, listen to me, go into municipal bonds, put 90% of your money in municipal bonds. You can lock in 5 6%. Yep. Just do it. Just do it. And everybody was like, oh, Susie, real estate is going through the roof. We need real estate. <laughs> you know, the stock market, da 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 There's many ways to make money. The key is not so much to make money, but to keep the money that you've already made, number one, not mm -hmm. only safe and sound, but to generate income for you. Because right. eventually that is what is going to replace your ability to make income when you're no longer able to work for whatever reason. So, <clears throat> you know, I may own a lot of stocks that I watch carefully. Um, many of them are seriously aggressive. A lot of them generate for me six, six and a half, seven percent dividend yields. That's beautiful. And, um, yeah, and again, many of them were purchased all the way back in 2007, 2008 when the market crashed. And so what's important is that you always keep powder dry. You always have money so that if we do have a serious decline in the market, 
to look at these good dividend-paying stocks and to think about them as a way to absolutely invest for your retirement income. And if interest rates ever truly do skyrocket again, which they may one day, who knows, that's a perfect time for you to lock in now individual long-term bonds so that as interest rates go down, your value of your bond goes up, but that you've locked in a high income yield. Mm -hmm. I do not like bond funds on any level, just so you know. Okay, we put that out there. You know, I've been listening to you for years before I entered the industry. When I entered, it was the early 90s. There were not many women doing what I was doing. Uh, You were really a pioneer in this area. And for as long as I can remember, you have said, the one thing you should do right now to retire a millionaire is to save, save, save early. But here's my question. Yeah. There are lots of folks listening to this who didn't do that. So what do you do if you didn't start young? Is there hope? You know, how, how do you start to play catch up? Yeah, there's always, always hope. And the day you give up hope is the day you might as well just stop living, mm-hmm. really. Is that is that the way to really play catch up is to not think conventionally. Many people, when they think, oh, my God, I'm going to retire, so therefore I have to start putting more money away in my retirement accounts. Let's just think logically about this. You put money away in your retirement accounts to do what? To generate the income to pay your expenses. What if you were able to get rid of expenses? Mm -hmm. What if, you know, you didn't have a mortgage, you didn't have a car payment, you didn't have you know, credit card payments, that you really set yourself up in such a way that it did not cost you a lot to live. Mm -hmm. If your expenses are lowered and you own everything outright and you live in a smaller home, you drive a gas-efficient car, you do whatever it is, then the truth of the matter is you make up time by not having more money but by figuring out how to spend less of the money that you already have. Mm -hmm. So I think we may have mentioned this earlier, but I would much rather see you contribute up to the point of the match in your retirement accounts Mm -hmm. and then stop contributing to your retirement accounts totally, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. and take that extra money. And if you have a home that you know you're going to stay in for the rest of your life, You've already downsized. You've already done whatever it takes. And now you have a mortgage on that home. Put that extra money towards the mortgage on your home. I don't care what interest rate you've locked in. I don't care about the tax write-off that it provides for you. Mm -hmm. Your goal is to own that home outright by the time you retire. Because remember, in a fixed-rate mortgage... If it's a $200,000 mortgage, and just let's say it was at 6%, you had a bad FICO score, you're now locked in at 6% right now, that's $1,200 a month. That's $14,400 a year. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be spending $14,400 a year your first year, your 15th year, your 25th year, all the way to your 30th year, even if all you owe on it after 20 years is that $100,000. It's easier to pay off your mortgage and not have to generate 14400 a year after taxes mm-hmm. than to save that money in a retirement account. Again, you need $600,000 saved in a retirement account at a 3% 
rate of re return or interest mm -hmm. to generate you the $18,000 that you now withdraw because you weren't smart enough to put it in a Roth IRA, even though I've been begging you to do so, or a Roth 401k. Right. And now you pay taxes on it. So now you have the $14,400 to pay your mortgage. Crazy. Makes no sense whatsoever. Well, I'll tell you, I, I there was a lot of takeaway for me in this wonderful conversation. But if we take away two things, I love it. Don't trust, verify, and self-worth equals net worth. Folks, we've all learned yeah. a lot today with Susie Orman. Thank you so much for stopping by. We really appreciate it. Anytime, Alexis. And best luck at the Apollo. Come see me, girlfriend. <laughs> we'll be there. Thanks, Susie. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you, my friend. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. And remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.